being the best version of yourself. And for the athlete is performing at your best and being the best that you can be in your sport. In order to do that, it's going to require that you put muscle on and, you know, in a, in a, in a great way. And like, you're, you're still beautiful because of that. Not because you don't look like this other person because they can't do what you do, you know? So, and, and, and if you did look like them, you would be injured, you would get injured and you're going to have you know, you're going to be in a catabolic state all the time. Your body's always going to be under stress. You're probably going to end up with a stress fracture. Like you're probably, if you're going to keep doing all these crazy workouts and then not eating enough, like you're not going to give your body the rest that it needs to be able to prolong the four years of college lacrosse, in, in my case. I mean, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon and you have to be able to sustain it. This is Carly Horan, former USC lacrosse player, nutritionist, and coach. And you're listening to the Heads and Tails podcast. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Som, and each week I bring you an inspiring athlete story of perseverance or expert knowledge in the field of sports health and safety. Just like flipping a coin, you can't control what happens to you in sports or in life. You can always control how you respond. This is my response after suffering a traumatic brain injury in a high school football game, and I hope it leaves you feeling both inspired and informed. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails Podcast. Um, I'm excited to bring you... Uh, episode related to food, which I know I'm really always excited about. I don't always eat the best, which could be a problem and could be a reason for all my injuries. I don't know. Uh, but today we're here with Carly Horan, who's a University of Southern California uh, lacrosse alumni or alumnist. Uh, she's also a nutritionist, a yoga instructor, and a lacrosse coach. So she's got a, a full plate and a full schedule. So I, uh, no pun intended with the whole nutrition thing. Uh, so I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, share your knowledge, um, especially in the, the nutrition world on, on this, this podcast. So can you start off by, um, you know, kind of giving us some info on how athletes can eat to prevent injuries? Sure. Well, first, thank you so much for having me on. It's good to be here. Um, so really an athlete, in order to prevent any injuries, should just be eating healthy overall. Um, and trying to eliminate any deficiencies in their diet that might put them at risk for um, for an injury, which is probably going to have to do with mainly their biggest risk is the amount of stress they're putting on their body. Um, and that's going to vary depending on the amount, volume, and type of activity that they're doing, as well as, as uh, their age. So first and foremost, an athlete, because they're they have increased activity compared to the normal person. They're going to have to make sure that they have adequate calories. It's going to be more than someone who is their age. Um, if they're doing more activity than that normal person, they're going to need more energy to do so. And so like for an adult, I think the standard has been for a while, like 2000 calorie day. Yeah, diet. that would be the number for like the average American diet. Right. Unless you're uh, watching my 600 pound life and that doctor's always like, uh, I will put you on a 1200 calorie a day diet. High protein, <laughs> low carb, you lose 50 pounds in a month, and then we talk. Right. And then it probably you gain it all back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they always seem seem to ha have that as well. Mm -hmm. um, so what would a kind of what, – what would a calorie number look like for, let's say, like a young athlete, an adolescent athlete, and then like an adult athlete? So the younger athlete is going to have a higher metabolism. So – in it kind of like the basis would be that that I use there's a lot of different estimate equations um to really precisely know it's called indirect calorimetry and uh but that's costly and not always available so um 
I like to use 25 to 30 calories per kilogram of body weight. So that means taking your weight in pounds, converting it, dividing it by 2.2 to get um, kilograms, and then multiplying that by 25 to 30. That's kind of like an average person who does like general fitness program. For um, a younger – so like that could work for an adult who's maybe working out, uh, going to like three to four fitness classes a week that are like 45 minutes moderate to intense activity. Um, And then for a younger athlete, again, there's other factors that come into it. It could kind of be the same, maybe elevated to like 30 to 35. Um, But like a major Olympic lifter or – um, Olympic athlete or they could be upwards to like 50 to 55. Maybe that's even too much, but, um, you know, someone who's doing or college athlete who's doing like three hours a day, double workouts. Um, that's like super intense. They're obviously going to need a lot more. So without enough calories, your body will start to deplete all of its stores. And so the next thing I'm going to get kind of talk about is um, your macronutrients. So the macronutrients are the nutrients and food that give you calories. And that's fat, carbohydrate, protein. Um, There's nothing else. There's no other macronutrients. No, it's only those three. Okay. And then, oh, well, alcohol. That's like its whole separate category? No, the, the, it's just, I, it's not, I don't know. I don't. That's like how people track it. Right. Like, so all four give you calories. And so like you'll get four calories per gram of protein and carbohydrate, and then you'll get nine calories per gram of fat. So that's the most. And then, um, seven for alcohol. Okay. Yeah. Um, so how does inflammation play in to all this? Like in terms of getting injured, I guess, I know, I guess you can think from a standpoint of getting injured because of inflammation, you know, with like tendonitis or, you know, a sore knee or something like that, or I don't know. But then there's also the contact injuries, you know, like that break bones and tear ligaments and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Um, So what role does inflammation play in this? I guess like how does food make us more prone to injury? No. So, yeah. So going along with like how to eat, how to prevent injuries. Yeah. To prevent inflammation from food is choosing high-quality foods. So thinking in the macronutrients, you have three types. And so carb, fat, and protein, different combos are found in different foods. But you want to make sure, for example, like carbohydrates, a lot of people want to cut them out for various reasons, but you can have quality carbohydrates are going to be whole grains that are high in fiber. That's fruits and vegetables, uh, as well that are high in fiber. So it's like whole grains and, and, uh, so they can be complex and starch. Those are your whole grains. And then they can be simple, which is your, um, fruits and vegetables. You can also have simple sugar that comes from cakes and candy and, processed foods, cereals, those kind of things that are low in fiber. They're not going to keep you full. Um, They're going to increase your blood glucose immediately. And um, they don't often come with all the vitamins and minerals that you're going to find in like a whole grain or a fruit or vegetable. So it's, it's choosing the quality of food. So choosing a food that is really high in sugar that's been processed as well as, so that's one example things that are eating excess sodium as well as like trans fats 
come in processed foods, saturated fats, and omega-6 fatty acids, which is an unsaturated fat typically found in corn and corn products, corn starch, corn is in so many processed things. So avoiding processed foods and eating more from the earth, that's just a very simple way of eliminating nutrients that are going to cause inflammation in the body. Okay. And as we know, inflammation is pain, swelling, heat, and I'm missing one, but it's that it's, yeah, it's your body's response to healing. So those things are going to cause, elicit that response in your body. And if you don't bring it down, that's going to cause chronic issues. Okay. I kind of thought like when you were talking about depleting your stores Mm -hmm. of uh, the macronutrients Mm -hmm. when you don't have enough calories, right? How does that relate to inflammation? Like, I guess maybe not to inflammation, but how does that relate to the types of foods that processed foods? Like do the stores deplete quicker when you have those processed foods as your fuel? So like sugar, back to the sugar example, like sugar that's in a cereal, like a processed cereal versus like sugar that's in a banana, it's the exact same thing. It's glucose. But the banana comes with potassium, magnesium, vitamin C, a bunch of other things. Whereas like maybe in the cereal, maybe it's fortified. So you'll get some like B vitamins or something. Um, And maybe it's not cereal. Maybe it's like gummy bears, right? So both both can be broken down to glucose pretty quickly because they're simple carbohydrates. Um, And so it really doesn't, it doesn't make a huge difference. Like your body's going to use it the same. It's just long-term effects of overall health. The banana just comes with the micronutrients that don't give you calories, vitamins, minerals, antioxidants. If you're thinking of a banana or just fruit as a whole, they're just going to provide you with more nutrition. It's going to be more nutrient dense than something like a processed cereal or bar or candy or gummy or something like that. You get more bang for your buck. Exactly. So, um, then like the next thing I would say for someone who's just trying to eat healthy, it's the timing of your meals. So when you think about pre for an athlete, you're thinking about pre-workout and post-workout. And this is going to vary and be individualized to the person based on when they choose to work out and how long they're working out. So, or training. So like before you exercise, you need quick energy. So if you're going to have a gummy bear all day long, having it right before you exercise might be the best time to have it because it's going to be the first thing that you use up. Um, now, after you exercise, you're going to want to have both protein and carbohydrate to rebuild the muscle. And it's been recommended probably between like 30 to 45 minutes window would be the most opportune time to do that after you work out. Some athletes find it difficult to do that because they're just not ready to eat and they're just still exhausted in their stomach. Like they can't stomach it. Um, but that's what I would recommend. Okay. Having having those things, yeah. And in terms of like the fuel afterwards, so the the fuel before the workout mm-hmm. is kind of like just to set the bar higher so you have something to kind of work with. Exactly. And to make it maybe easier to replenish after the workout. Exactly. Because what will happen is, and this is what is scary with, you know, people talking about being on high protein or high fat, low carb, the whole, like the keto phase is that athletes need carbohydrates. Glucose is the body's preferred source of energy. So when someone's like, oh, I'm cutting out carbs. Well, 
if you're an athlete, you need the carbs for your energy. And if you don't have them, then your body's going to say, okay, let me go into all my stores of, it's called glycogen in your, in your liver and your muscle. Let me just use up all my glycogen stores. Well, then after that, if you're still exercising and you're not replenishing or recovering with proper nutrition, then your body's going to go, let me deplete all my fat stores. And then after that, what's left is protein. And so your body will literally start eating away at its muscle and using that for energy instead of the carb and the fat because there's none left. So if you're not giving yourself enough carbohydrate to start with and not replenishing it after, then eventually over over a period of time, your body's going to start eating away at its muscle and you're not going to be able to perform at your highest because you now no longer have the um, exact like entity of your body that's like allowing you to be a strong athlete. Right. Yeah, you're just like content. You're just breaking it down like during the workout, and you're breaking it down after the workout. You're just there's no yeah. rebuild process going on, mm-hmm. and just like just saying that obviously is like an injury in itself almost. Exactly. Yeah. So that's when you say like to eat to prevent injuries. It's just eating properly, thinking about how you're building your plate before and after your workout, and then throughout the day, and then thinking, is this an easy training? This is a recovery day for me? Because a recovery plate is going to have more fruits and vegetables and less starch. And then like probably a quarter of your plate will be protein, a quarter will be starch, and then half the plate will be fruits and vegetables, non-starchy vegetables. Um, And you always want to include a healthy fat. So that's going to be like unsaturated fats. Um, For example, avocado oils, olive oil, um, nuts, seeds, flaxseed, a walnut, um, fish, fatty fish. Like those are all your healthy fats. Your unhealthy fats are going to be things like butter and margarine and, again, processed foods that have trans fats in them. And a trans fat is essentially a fat that is – they've pumped hydrogens into it to saturate it with hydrogen so that the fat can be solid at room temperature. A, like a saturated fat and then its shelf life is longer so trans fats are unnatural like peanut butter like if you look at natural peanut butter versus like right if you look at, if you take raw peanut butter where you grind right. up peanuts and whole then put it in the style, thing yeah whole food style king's has it too and uh i like the whole foods one better i'm gonna be honest yeah then maybe they use different peanuts i don't know that was I, one of the I, honey roasted ones why well, i only do almond butter because i'm slightly allergic to peanuts oh, you are? Okay. which i learned after like 10 years of not being able to breathe <laughs> through my nose and yeah, I swear to God. Wow. I went to my primary care physician. I was like, I would get like six sinus infections a year. Yeah. And I could, ne- for like 10 years, I couldn't breathe through my nose. I was taking Claritin D every single day for like 10 years. Yeah. And he's like, I read this article about um, patients who had asthma and like how they were affected by negatively by peanuts. And I was crushing like trail mix and like two containers of peanut butter like every <laughs> single week. And I'm like, oh, say it ain't so, dude. Uh. Like. I love peanut butter too oh, much, but I tried sad. it, gave it two weeks off. I'm like a new person. I like, so you don't eat it anymore? No. I, I like I breathing more than I like peanut I butter. I eat it every day. Well, if you can breathe through your nose, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. We used to live near Whole Foods, so I'd get it from there. The only reason I get it from King's now is because we're on this side of town. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know. Every once in a while, I'm like tempted, yeah. but I like breathing too much. But to your point, yeah, Skippy, trans fat, excess sugar. To me... And people hate when I say this because people have such a connection with Skippy or Jif, but it's it's not natural. It's actually, I consider it fake food. It's, you know, 
But if you love it, have it. And it, there's still protein in there and yeah. some good fat. But if, if you want the real deal, you got to go raw peanut butter. And I swear it tastes so much better after yeah. you have it for a while. <laughs> well, the ones that you like, you grind up yourself at Whole Foods, it doesn't have that like layer of oil on the top. No. And it's like much more pleasant to deal with. But like the yeah. natural peanut butter that's like you buy in the store, it's already in the jar. Uh-huh. It. That's just what reminded me of it when you said it is because like you have to like manually work in the oil and everything. Exactly. it's like separated and uh-huh. that's what's real. Yeah. But the fake stuff is just like what people traditionally think of as peanut butter, I guess. Yeah. And there's like a hundred examples of that, of just manufactured products that, mm-hmm. you know, we're trying to feed a lot of people and make it accessible, which I get that, but you don't need to have, you don't need those, in- those poor ingredients that will increase inflammation in the body. Yep. So. Uh, all right. So what kind of supplements uh, do maybe you use or do you recommend to kind of combat some inflammation or to help prevent uh, injuries for sure. athletes? So um, I would say I'm a food first approach. So if I were to ever, you know, recommend anything to anyone, it would be first, let's work on the diet and see how we can get, you know, anti-inflammatory foods into your diet as much as possible. Um, if you're someone who is doing you know, a crazy amount of physical activity, um, you're experiencing inflammation in the body that's, um, you know, showing itself as potentially an injury, scuttle muscular, um, joint pain, maybe it's surgery or whatnot, maybe a concussion, omega-3 fatty acids from fish oil. If, you know, if you, if, why don't you just eat fish, you know, and then if you need extra, take, maybe take a fish oil. Uh, multivitamins are always good, but, um, other than that, I would wait, I would want to know, you know, lab work will tell you a lot in terms of the type of supplements you need. Pretty much everyone is deficient in vitamin D. Um, go get lab work and, and it'll tell you, um, and I'll just tell you if you're out of the range and if you're low, uh, vitamin D supplements, you'll see a quicker and faster increase the more deficient that you are. So the closer you are to being sufficient, you'll take one for maintenance, but you don't need as much. The RDA for vitamin D is about, I think it's like 400 or 600. What's RDA? That's like the recommended daily allowance. Oh, okay. Yes. So that's like, oh, this is bad. USDA or creates that number. Okay been that way for a while but um i know having worked with uh, professional football players that you need a lot more than that to um really make a change so like we were using about 2,000 to 4,000 international units they say iu a day um i've also seen in research articles they'll do uh regiments with like 50,000 ius in a month as opposed to if you did that every day that would be the only way you could become toxic in vitamin D. Um, so, yeah, like 2,000, 2,000 to 4,000 a day for I, someone who's deficient might help. I know that um, vitamin D is like the happy like vitamin that's supposed to... Well, it's related to so many things in your body. A lot of people, it, it helps your body absorb calcium. Um, so if you're deficient in D, you might not be absorbing calcium well enough, and then your bone density would be low. So like an indication of, and like we might talk about body composition later, but you can, um, you know, get scans, you can determine your bone density scale and, uh, 
if your bone density is low, that those are two things you're going to look at is your vitamin D and calcium. Typically, when you take them as a supplement, you'll take them together. Um, again, if you need them, if you're not deficient, maybe you don't need to take, you know, take a supplement. You can just get it from food. Um, cause vitamin D you can get from a lot of like meat, dairy, eggs. Um, but if like, say you're a vegetarian and you don't eat those things and then you can also get it from the sun, we should be able to get most of our vitamin D from the sun, which is why not a lot of foods have vitamin D in them. Uh, however, because of altitudes that we live at, sunscreen that we wear the amount of time we spend indoors definitely um, sunscreen for me yeah and even like some athletes did you think they'd be outside all the time uh but like with football players for example um a lot of melanin in your skin like dark-skinned athletes will might have difficulty absorbing it and like a football player you're wearing your uniform is covering like most of your body right and you have a helmet on your head so the exposure that you're getting maybe won't be enough so that that's like a major trend right now. So that's kind of the one I bring up. It's pretty common. Um, other than that, like maybe you you know if if needed, B vitamins are related to energy, and um, you know vitamin C and vitamin uh, E are antioxidants. So you know, and then but really again, food first. Fruits and vegetables they're filled with antioxidants phytochemicals, vitamins, minerals that you're going to need should be able to get enough there. But, you know, then there's the argument that we live in a toxic world with depleted soil and uh, we're exposed to a lot of toxins in processed foods that we eat. So, and our ability to absorb, like you might be able, you might might be intaking a lot of vitamin, whatever vitamin, but your intestines ability to absorb all of it might not be there because you have an allergy, you have uh, a sensitivity to something that you don't even know about uh, because it's just a little pain or bloating you get every once in a while and, you know, you can live with that. Right. Um, or maybe it's worse and you're just never taking care of it or you know and you're just still going to eat poorly. So, right. or, you know, in whatever way you are. So, um, there's just so many factors that go into like supplements, which is why I feel like with most supplements, if you read articles, they're like, you know, not enough information to know if it's going to improve performance. Like at this point, it's, it might, it might harm your performance because it makes you more susceptible to illness or injury if you're deficient. But if you have, if you have more than enough, there's no research to show that more than enough vitamin D is like making people squat more or run faster or, you know, maybe some, but those articles are with like a small amount of people and right. it hasn't been repeated. So so you mentioned a couple of things I want to talk a little sure. further about. Uh, one is the lab work, you know, and getting blood work done. How important to that is, or how important is that to you in the nutrition world, you know, when you're working with, you know, clients who are athletes? Like, should everyone be getting blood work done to see, like, what they're deficient in and what they should be? And what they're so even allergic to? Yeah. So as a as a dietitian, it's it's really really helpful. And quick, I'm not a dietitian yet, but I will be. And um, you know, when I was doing, I had to do a, f- a big internship in the hospital, and I think the lab work is one of the greatest tools to use as you're assessing a patient because um, patient or in this case maybe like a client uh, because or an athlete, um, it's it's quantitative. It tells you if someone's out of this range, it says, okay, act. it's kind of like a procedure. Okay. If we're, 
you know, CRP is high, that means they're, it indicates that they're in a stress response. So we know that as that number starts to come down, they're going to move from a catabolic state to an anabolic state, meaning instead of using all of your stored energy to kind of like um, elicit that immune response to respond, I'm finally, it's calming down and we're going to start to rebuild. That's when I know, okay, nutrition's really important. We have to increase protein and calories here and we got to help this body heal. Catabolic is breaking down. Anabolic is building building up. up. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. My other question was in terms of dairy, Mm -hmm. I remember like for us growing up, we were always told like drink milk for strong bones and stuff like that. But you had mentioned with the vitamin D that the vitamin D helps you absorb you know, something calcium. like calcium yeah. better. Yeah. Um, but you also hear if you, you know, are just looking online for, you know, right. for nutrition advice or whatever. Everyone's anti, times, anti-milk. Yeah. Very anti-dairy products yeah. um, because of inflammatory responses or I guess that yeah. they're supposed, supposed to elicit in some people. So what are your, I guess, where do you recommend getting calcium from? Is milk fine or do you recommend other individualized? Yeah. I think um, it's interesting. I don't drink a lot of milk. Um, I eat a ton of yogurt. I'm not allergic to lactose. I don't have a lactose intolerance. I can handle it. Um, some, but then like sometimes, like if I eat a lot of ice cream, it upsets my stomach. But like, is it because it's just like really high fat and sugar and it's rich and my, you know, stomach can't take it? Whereas like plain greek yogurt is awesome i don't know um i don't have a microscope in my gut to really know and i think we're kind of in this um wave right now of nutrition where we're learning a lot about the gut microbiome so that's like your intestines where all of your nutrients nutrients are absorbed um and so i think when it comes to milk it's a source of calcium but you can get calcium from other things like yogurt like broccoli, um, probably blanking on a couple right now, but you can get them from other other vegetable sources. They, I think, I mean like spinach. Like you don't have to get it from milk, but if if you don't have an intolerance to it and you're okay, there's just a there's just a lot of people who are intolerant to lactose. I think I was like reading recently and preparing kind of for for your questions. It's like something some like sixty five percent of Americans are are intolerant to it. So. Yes, if you're intolerant to it, it's going to affect your – it's probably going to make you feel bloated. There might be a little bit of inflammation um, in your gut. And you're, you're naturally, if it's causing you pain and, and uh, discomfort, I, I wouldn't want to drink it either. But uh, then maybe that means you're eating other – you have to eat other foods that are either fortified with calcium, vitamin D, um, like soy products or maybe you are supplementing. So it's really, it's based on the individual and I don't have like a very strong opinion because I like it and I eat it and I think it can, it can give me a lot of nutrition. But, uh, I also know that I don't know, Greek yogurt's like my go-to. Okay. So if you don't have lactose intolerance, eat Greek yogurt. And I have a lot of yogurt parfait recipes. <laughs> Once I become a dietitian or even now when I'm starting to share. So it's like my favorite thing to eat. So, all right. Yeah. I'll look out for them. <laughs> uh, all right. So, how does BMI kind of, and we talked briefly about body composition, or you kind of alluded yeah. to talking about mm-hmm. body composition. So how does that kind of play into the injury prevention uh, world? 
Well, body composition is interesting because again, and I I told you, I'm going to say this a hundred times. It, you you have to look at the individual, um, factors that play into what BMI is, is just your, your height to weight ratio really. And what it doesn't take into consideration is when looking at weight, the difference between your fat mass and your fat free mass. So your fat mass is like, you know, the mass that's attributed to the fat in your body, uh, both the one, the fat around your organs and the ones underneath your skin. And then your fat free mass is going to be your bones, your fluid and your muscle. And so it doesn't, it doesn't distinguish the two of those. So there could be an athlete, like some of these football players, right. Who are, um, you know, six, three, close to 300, you know, six, five, 300 pounds, you know, whatever. Um, and, and, uh, or, or not even that, maybe you're actually just a really fit person. And they're, so their BMI is going to be really, really high. Um, but most of their body mass could be muscle. So in that case, are we really that concerned? No, because your muscle is the, um, the mass that you're using your energy. The more muscle you have, the more calories you need in order for those muscles to work. So it would, it would be incorrect for me to recommend like a fit person with a high BMI who has a lot of muscle and say, you need to decrease your, your caloric intake because your BMI is too high. Well, no, they actually need more calories because they have a lot of muscle that needs it. Um, so figuring out, figuring out height and weight and, um, I'm sorry, like weight and body composition is going to be, is the athlete male or female? Uh, what sports do they play? How often do they train? How often do they compete? Are they in season? Are they out of season? Like, what what are what's the what's their goal? Do they feel? Do they like being lighter and leaner? You know, some some people just they, they feel better when they're a certain way. Like, you really have feel to feel more athletic or something. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and there's so much that goes in around to um, body image, particularly with girls. So, I mean, you you go to college, you go from being a high school athlete to going to college athlete, and you have to lift four times a week. And even when they tell you, no, you're not, you're not going to put on muscle. <laughs> We're like, to be honest, BS, like your body changes. It does. And, um, when you're walking around campus and you have, you know, a lot of girls who are really, really skinny. I mean, it's just, let's be real. Like there, when I was at USC, you walk around and you have girls in your class and, um, I hate to use the sorority stereotype, but like, that's what most girls look like. And they got to be like, you know, they're like thin and smaller, smaller selves. And we had to, my teammates had to get more comfortable being just like having more muscle on our bodies. And in society, you know, is that it's cool to see a lot of these powerful athletes come out and really preach like strong body image. And I mean, that's what I'm all about. And we can talk about that more later. But, um, you know, I got comfortable with it pretty quick because it was, it was inspiring for me to know that with this body, I can perform this way. And if I didn't have these muscles, I wouldn't be able to do that. So it was my abilities that was like, was better. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about it now because we're on on the subject. So did you struggle personally? Like you said, kind of like, um, I don't know, like you talked about in general that that's kind of how athletes or at least on your team. Right. Like it's, it's a real thing that happens. And a lot of girls in, just in my because I, I don't know what it's like in a guy's locker room talking about body image but I know like you know there's a lot of girls who are don't like their bodies they don't like the change that they're going through um because 
you know, and I mean, I hear it all the time because I see a lot of videos and Instagrams and, and, and people talking about like, we have, we have this idea that like skinny and, uh, skinny and thin and, and abs and, you know, petite is, is what's desirable. And, um, but I'd like to think that more recently there has been a little bit of a shift and at least the things that I see in the people I talk to and the girls that I know who were trying to promote this idea that like being like being the best version of yourself and for the athlete is performing at your best and being the best that you can be in your sport. In order to do that, it's going to require that you put muscle on and, you know, in a, in a, in a great way. And like, you're, you're still beautiful because of that. Not because you don't look like this other person because they can't do what you do. You know, so that's a and, great way to put it. Yeah. And and if you did look like them, you would be injured. You would get injured, and you're gonna have, you know, you're gonna be in a catabolic state all the time. Your body's always gonna be under stress. You're probably gonna end up with a stress fracture. Like you're probably if you're gonna keep doing all these crazy workouts and then not eating enough, like you're not gonna give your body the rest that it needs to be able to prolong the four years of college lacrosse. In, in my case. Um, I mean, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon and you have to be able to sustain it. And I mean, I even look at girls now that have now gone to play professional and it's like, you have to really think ahead. You can't think in the short term, you have to think in the long term. And while, you know, rest is huge and, you know, massage therapy or soft tissue and all those things, so is the nutrition and the stuff you're putting in your mouth. And while like eating some processed food, one day doesn't seem like a big deal over the course of six. If you're not giving yourself adequate calories, that's the chronic, that's the chronic injury. You're then going to suffer in year six when you're in year two of your professional career and then it has to end. So, right. All right. While we're on the topic, sure. Did you ever have a unhealthy relationship with food? Like as an athlete? So I think, um, so when I first really got into nutrition it was just realizing that the small changes that I can make were making me feel so much better. When I, I like I tell the story, I used to eat two huge bowls of Honey Nut Cheerios for breakfast. And that's why I probably keep using cereal as an example. Um, with like 1% milk. And I, I had this like bowl. It was huge and had a straw. So like even after... I like ate this, like the serving size was probably double than what the box says. And like one serving is I think like 200 calories. So, and then I would eat, I would eat like two of those. And then I could use the straw to drink all of the sugary milk at the bottom. And it was addicting. And I loved it. Like I had to wake up in the morning and I couldn't wait to eat, to eat that before I went to school. Or before you go to sleep, you think about that too. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah, I can't wait to wake up and I can. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> I've been so, there as well. Yeah, so then I would go to school and um, I was kind of, it was like, you know, middle school and I had like, I was never overweight, but I, I had like the extra like kind of baby fat still that you hadn't lost and I was still, I didn't feel like, I didn't know what it felt like to really feel fit um, and I was super active, played tons of sports um, and then I remember when I got to high school, I said, you know, I'm going to. I want to try hard boiled eggs and like a banana. Like that's what my dad was eating for breakfast. And I'm like, what if I, I, I think it clicked. Like I, 
I read like the, I actually read the nutrition label of the cereal and I, I had my mom explain it to me and like, Oh, that, okay. So sugar. So how much cereal am I actually eating? And like, wow, I'm consuming like over like I'm about 500 calories and most of it is sugar for breakfast. But the box, the Honey Nut Cheerios box has a huge heart on it with this B that says heart healthy, lowering cholesterol. And it says that because there's fiber in it and fiber helps lower your cholesterol. But I don't know if that's like a whole lot of, but maybe, maybe that's cool if you're having like one bowl and I was having two plus. So that kind of, that really clicked for me. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start trying different things for breakfast. And so I started eating like hard boiled eggs and bananas and like uh, peanut butter toast and yogurt and like just things that were more bang for your buck, more nutrient dense that would fill me up and give me more nutrition without eating really as many calories. But I wasn't really, really worried about calories at the time because I was just extremely active. I needed them all. Um, And I just started to feel better. Like I started losing weight. I think it was also like, you know, going through puberty, like it was normal, kind of together, lost weight, started like finding muscle tone. And, and then I started, you know, it was all in the same time as like thinking about wanting to play college sports and what it's going to take. And I'm probably gonna have to start weight training and all those things started happening together. And I started seeing my body change and, um, I was excited about it, um, I, it gave me a lot of confidence. Um, I could do workouts at CrossFit uh, in Marstown and adults were there. And I was like beating adults in 5Ks. And I was like learning how to hang clean and squat and do like pull-ups and like kipping pull-ups and climbing ropes and like doing all this to me, like really badass stuff. And I had one trainer there, um, shout out to Amy O., who is, uh, she's a gym teacher at, um, Marshalls. Yeah, I know Amy. You know Amy. Yep. Yep. Amy, her whole MO was telling, making girls be like, don't hurt her line. And I've used it to my girls before my, the girls that I coach, like, why do you want to be like every other girl at your school? Like most girls are never going to walk into a gym like this and even attempt to have the exercises that you're doing. And there was a couple other girls that they ended up doing like this teen program that I was a part of. And there, and she was so like, she just built like a lot of confidence in me. It really in terms of like body image and, and, uh, like athletic performance in a weight room. And I loved that kind of gave me an identity. Like I was able to differentiate myself from a lot of other girls in my high school. Um, and even on like my sports teams, cause I, I just felt like I was doing the, whether I like was or not. And like doing these really killer workouts. Um, and again, like the ability to do those things was a lot cooler than me, to me than like the change in my body. But I even just like the change in my body because I felt really strong and like really, really fit. So that's always been like in people who know me, like that's always been like a huge thing for me. And it gives me a lot of confidence like in what I do. So I try to portray that now to my girls and I kind of use, I use Amy's, Amy's line. All right, cool. Yeah. Shout out to Amy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, so I'll kind of go back to what we were talking about before, and then we'll get more into like per, your personal sure, sure. Uh, stuff with uh, mm-hmm. playing lacrosse. At one last thing, yes, yeah, because so I, I didn't really fully answer your question. So I think that kind of spun into me being uh, probably it did get like extreme because I because I think there's a component of when you start and a lot of people they start losing weight and then whether they like 
what's that joke everyone's like if you're doing crossfit you're always talking about it yeah yeah like i was definitely that person talking about it i was into it i was my nutrition i started making so many changes i went from like one cereal change to like (laughs) everything and it it probably it was never unhealthy but it probably was extreme because i was always managing it and having that's an element of control that you'll find um you know, like when it comes to eating disorder unhealthy, it's almost more about the control than it really is about the food and the food just kind of like the coping mechanism. And I'll say I never really got to that point, but I can relate to people who, who want to feel that control and have that way because I, I definitely felt it. And, um, when I got to college, I, I had friends that were like, dude, chill out. Like we're going to stop just, you know, and it was good. So it was, I think it was natural. All right, cool. Yeah. I mean, I was in that crossover world as well, mm-hmm. and I gravitated towards that just like, you know, as an athlete. Intense. It's intense. Yeah. And yeah. When you're in it, yeah, of course, like you want to talk about it and all your friends are doing it. It's like a healthy environment to some degree, but especially good when you have friends that kind of like really in and it's like, yeah. all right, like let's go get because, pizza or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because it's it, it made it difficult in social settings when you're like, okay, I want, I've been eating so well and I just want to keep it up because I feel so good and we're going to go out and I'm going to get like a salad, but then everyone else is going to get, and that looks appetizing. And my family has made fun of me for years because I would do it and they'd be like, Carly, we all know that you wait till the end of the meal and then ask us to eat the end of our fries. So like you only just have get a the couple. Freaking fries yourself, it's like yeah. yeah, just just get them because it's uh, honestly stop eating my food. Yeah. You know, so that's and it, just to keep going a little bit like that's a that's such a real thing when it comes to nutrition and like I really try to not lose that as I become a dietitian. Like when you counsel someone, it, those those realities and those like real life things that, that factors that affect your decisions about what you're going to eat are there. So like I'm, I'm never going to be a food police and say, right. oh, you're eating bad and you're eating this. It's like, no, we all want those things. They taste good and like social and even religion and like your habits and all those things play, play in. Right. And it's, it's just, it's like a real thing. So I remember, I think like a year or two after I, uh, stopped playing football. I ran a half marathon and I remember like the week leading up to the half marathon, like I, I was like, Oh my God, like when this thing's over, I'm like going to go crush a burger. Like I was just going to like, cause I was eating really well yeah. and like training and everything. And after the half marathon, we like went out to dinner with my family or whatever at Ruby Tuesdays. Cause I really liked their burgers at uh-huh. the time. And I get to Ruby Tuesdays and like, I don't know what happened, but like I got some sort of like wave of guilt about the burger I went with like a like some salmon, which is probably like frozen and like right. glazed with some fake teriyaki sauce or something, <laughs> and that's what I went with. But like looking back, I'm like, what the hell are you thinking, dude? Yeah. Just like, but I will say that sometimes what kind of kind of like kept me going on like in any any time like to eat healthy, like I back to the the cereal example, like I physically feel better when I eat clean from the earth, whole food, like you eat like that more, it just kind of becomes like a really good habit, which I think like most of America is not in. We're in the addictive sugar, salt, that. And once you can kind of start making small changes, eventually like I would eat those things and they would make me feel bad, like and sick. And my, my self-confidence would go down and right. I would, I would get bloated and I wouldn't want to like go out with my friends because I like, physically felt gross or just ugh. so it's kind of like I would get to those points too like oh come on just I, I'm excited to go relax and then you get there and you're like 
but I know after I eat this, I'm not going to feel good. So like, I don't know. It's kind of, no, I hear, I hear 100% what you're saying. Yeah. It like, yeah, it becomes a, it just becomes a lifestyle for you. And that's ultimately what it is for even me as a dietitian, you know, to be recommending to people, like it's a lifestyle change. It's not put you on a diet because diets are short term. They're not going to last. You're going to do it, lose weight and then gain it all back. This kind of leads me into another question. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to leave the, uh, how do athletes recover from injury through nutrition until the end of the interview. Uh, but what roles do cravings play when it comes to nutrition? And I guess I asked that is like, as an athlete, like if I'm craving carbs, is it because like I want carbs? Like I, like cause my body needs carbs. Like, is that a thing that your yeah. body will like give you the cravings that you need uh-huh. to like, well, carbs is like kind of the thing that we all crave. Just like, like typically someone's talking about general, oh, I'm craving protein right now. Yeah, that's true. You know? And it's, it's usually because you haven't eaten enough carbs throughout the day. So like your typical tendency for someone is you wake up late, you don't eat breakfast, you have some coffee, get to lunch, you know, maybe you eat in your office, like say you're a working person and you're, you eat in your office or, oh, I had to just eat a bar because then I had a meeting, you're, you know, you're busy. Um, and I'm talking about like an average, like just like an average adult. Um, and then finally you get home late at night. You're exhausted. You've been working all day. You took no time for yourself. Um, you're running between meetings and phone calls and emails and whatever. You're hyper stimulated. And then you get home and you're like, I don't feel like taking more time to create a meal for myself. So I'm just going to go dive into the bag of chips Whatever, because the immediate energy, again, the immediate energy is your carbohydrate, your body's preferred source of fuel. You've depleted yourself all day. And now it's like, just give me whatever you can get. And the simplest thing you can get and what our society provides for us are processed carbohydrates. That's going to be filled with trans fat, extra sodium, sugar, and it's not going to fill you up. So you're going to have more than you need. And then you're going to be feeling that, like that inflammation is going to stay with you until you go to bed. I have like a bad habit of one. It's almost like I'm conditioned to like as soon as I step foot in the door like of our apartment, mm-hmm. I have to eat something. Yeah. Like hungry or not, like I need to go to the fridge or I need to go to yeah. the cabinet and like get. I'm the same way. Yeah. And chips is like my go-to thing. Yeah. Like chips and hummus. Like Same. What cr- chips do you eat? Uh, I don't remember the brand. They're like sweet potato like tortilla chips they're in like this like black bag oh i know i know he's at tara's tara yeah yeah yeah. Those. yep we got those too love them what kind of hummus do you get i like the traditional hummus just like garlic hummus Who, what brand though sabra yeah that's not my favorite i usually go with yeah, like the whole foods one the whole or, foods one yeah. king's is a good one yeah again i'm on this side of town so. <laughs> <laughs> no we get the terrace chips pretzel chips pita chips um big tzatziki fan as well tzatziki yeah and hummus is really good for that because i think like just it's like it's, it's a great snack um even i'm a big like carrots and hummus too fiber in the carrot is gonna fill you up more and then you'll i feel like it's like a little bit more you know more bang for your buck again but a whole wheat a whole wheat uh pita chip or the tower's way they're pretty good we're also we're big cashew people in our house we're we yeah like the big costco like raw cashews that's my that's my trigger that's like oh i'm bored i don't know what to do i'm gonna walk over to the cabinet and grab cashews Cashews, yeah yeah um 
I'm always like afraid of cashews because like they kind of look like peanuts, but that's why because like, I'm allergic to peanuts. Kind oh of yeah. So I'm like, uh, oh, I wonder if you'd be allergic to cashews. I don't know. I think I eat them and I'm fine, but yeah, I usually stick with almonds because they right look there. so much different than a peanut that I'm like, yeah, this is definitely good. Yeah. Uh, were you ever? Did you ever struggle with injuries uh, while playing lacrosse at USC? Um, not until I had like a recurring hamstring that turned into a herniated disc my senior year. So that was really, really tough. Um, was that just from like overdoing it or just like, I think it was a combination of things. I think it was, um, physical, mental, and emotional. (laughs) All three were major stressors, stressors for me in college. So combined, I think that's what it, I think that was, uh, kind of how it progressed. And you know, it's frustrating because I, I'm so into nutrition and recovery and like soft tissue work and, but I, I really don't know if I rested enough, which is why I really preach that to younger kids. Like I was a true freshman and that like our team, we were, uh, the first year USC had a team was my freshman year. So it, you had 24 girls that were competing for spots and whoever got them had a better chance of keeping them than someone who didn't get one because every year a better class was coming in with like higher accolades and um you know that's intimidating so that's already stressful so you got to come in to compete uh, but that's all also why we're all there and I knew my biggest strengths were um my physicality so I was strong and I was fast and I was aggressive and um I wasn't afraid to like uh you like speak, you communicate, which is, I was a defender. So that's like really huge. Um, but where I struggled was my stick work and kind of my game sense a little bit because I, I didn't start playing lacrosse till I was in like the end of eighth grade going into freshman year. And I was a soccer player. Like, and even though I was playing, I wasn't like buying into it. I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm a soccer player. I'm a soccer player. I do lacrosse on the side until like my sophomore year of high school, kind of when I was explaining that all that, like, okay, I'm going to play college sports and I'm going to start nutrition and training and which sport is it going to be soccer? Is it going to be lacrosse? And, um, you know, I, I didn't really buy into lacrosse until then. So I really only had like two and a half years before going to college that I was really like, I got to learn this game. And, um, I think it set me back a little bit, but I was willing to learn. And then like, so I, I knew that was my disadvantage. So I'm doing extra film. I'm doing extra individuals. I'm doing extra stick work. Um, and then on top of that, like I love running and I always want to be the, if I, I know running is my best thing. So I want to be like top first. And if not first, like top three every single time. And so I would do extra and extra. And I felt like I was always, I could have put myself as the underdog to the, from the start. And, um, it kind of stayed that way all the way through. Um, never earn a starting spot. And then by the end it was like, I had fought, 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 and it was stressful. And it was like, you know, it sucks to put in all that time and never get on the field. So then, then comes the mentality of like, okay, do I act like a side, a kid on the sideline or do I act like a starter and keep trying to prove myself and like keep my confidence up and still believe that I should be out there, even though I see other people, you know, making all these plays and then do I believe that they're better than me or do I believe that I'm the best and so there was like so then I'm thinking about that all the time and then there's the emotional side of it like okay now I gotta travel across country and my whole family's coming and like I'm gonna be on the sideline and like they're not gonna they're gonna see me play I'm gonna play well and then for whatever reason coach is pulling me out because like she's got her own agenda and as a coach now I can understand that and you know I always kind of 
gave the coach the benefit of the doubt and just like, all right, you're in charge. Like whatever you need me to do, I'm going to do. Because at the end of the day, to me, the whole experience was about growing the team, the program, writing the story, writing the history. It was something bigger than myself. But for any athlete who's going to go play division one sports, like obviously you're going there to play. You're not going there to sit on the sidelines. So I think a combination of like all of that, it was stress. And it was stress that, you know, it, it ended up, yeah, I think it ended up is what gave me my herniated disc. And so, but learning from all of that is, it made me grow up really fast. Right. And you, you talked about uh, earlier, I think before we started recording about like uh, cortisol levels and stress in, in the body mm-hmm. and how that all kind of inter, you know correlates to injuries at some point down the road. Yeah, too. I'm sure my cortisol was like pretty high most of the time. <laughs> Just from where you were explaining. <laughs> lack like, of sleep, lack yeah. of, you know, t- overtraining. Um, thinking about it most of the day instead of like compartmentalizing lacrosse right. school and like my social life, which I didn't really have. I kind of sacrificed the social first. So, yeah. So were you into like the recovery tools? I mean, you didn't really rest. You said, but like you said, uh, I don't know, like massages, right? And, you know, cold tub, hot tub type deals. Like, were you into that? Like, oh yeah, it's throughout called, this whole process, or I called it prehab. okay prehab so you don't have to do rehab and then when you get injured then you do both right (laughs) and that's almost what I meant by not resting like I was I never I never took a time I didn't take enough time to not think about lacrosse I think I just I made it too much a part of my day practice was four hours we had a time block for four hours but then like then you know maybe it becomes like we're gonna lift in the morning and we're gonna practice in the afternoon and in between, you're going to be in class, and when your mind wanders at any time of day, whether it's in class, you trying to do homework, or you just trying to relax, like, in your own space, in your bedroom, or, like, with your friends, I didn't give enough time to that. Even, like, going out, or, like, and I did. I, I took advantage of LA. I think I did. I, like, I went to a lot of different places, but I probably could have done it more and relieved the mental stress, and I think I didn't really figure that out the compartmentalization until my senior year which unfortunately was the same time I got injured but you know that's natural course of things I think um as you mature as an athlete so um yeah yeah I I see what you're saying like you didn't you didn't find that outlet like I think that's a common thing that comes up on the podcast too it took me a while yeah finding that outlet outside it doesn't have to be like a long a big chunk of time it could be like a couple hours here a couple hours there where you have mm. this like thing outside of your sport that you just don't think about that sport at all right like that almost should be that almost would for me now i'd fall under the category of prehab but it's like you you go do your exercises your pre like you know to strengthen parts of your body that you think are weak so then you can go lift and be even stronger and then then go to practice and then after then ice bath and it's like Okay, now that's six hours every day. That's because... <laughs> and then think about it for the next five and ex- then go to bed. Externally, that appears like those are all things that are working towards you becoming a better athlete. Right. And more successful on the field and helping the team out. Whereas going to hip-hop dance class doesn't necessarily look like you're going to help out the team. Right. You know, it's not going to translate to helping yeah. you on the field. When in fact, for the individual athlete, we would talk about the individual you know, how nutrition is largely yeah. individualized. Um, but for you, that might have been the key to right. set you over the edge and right. get you, you know, prepared for the next practice or more mentally yeah. ready to play. Yeah. Um, 
So like I almost wish I almost wish like and it's really it's hard to say this, but my coach could have been like, Okay, you know what? We're not gonna do film. Like you like you're asking like I'm asking for extra film and after this and after that and after that because I'm trying to compete and I'm the underdog and like I, I don't have a, I'm not as good as these girls but I'm athletic as these girls so I can do it and I almost was this you know what just don't do anything just just go do something else don't think about lacrosse show up tomorrow and just play like I thought I I invested so much of my mental capacity into it that I should at taking a break and thinking about something else to come back and be fresh in hindsight, is what I needed. Yeah, and I think a lot of athletes need that. My buddy Josh, who helps me out with the injury report podcast for the football seasons, yeah, he played baseball in college at uh-huh. Monmouth, and he struggled with the bat a lot um, in college. And he always tells me the story that he went play for the summer ball team, and he's like the first day he went there, he told the coach that he's like. Oh, I got this problem wrong with my swing. He's like going like a slew of a list, you know, a huge list of everything that's wrong with his swing. And he's like, the coach literally just looked at me. He's like, shut the F up. Like just, but he actually said it. Yeah. And he's like, I had the best summer hitting in my life. Cause basically what the coach is saying is like, dude, stop just worrying. stop worrying. Stop caring. Just freaking play baseball. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at. And, I saw some videos of you on your Instagram mm-hmm. with the hip hop classes. Mm-hmm. It's like super impressive because Thanks. like I mean, I'm the kind of person who like dances in the privacy of my own home and like I love doing it, but <laughs> to do it in front of like a lot of people, it's it's impressive when I see it. Is, is that what you were referring to that you kind of found your senior year? Yeah. Um that was like your little outlet. Mm-hmm. Um so how did that I guess how did that help you and how did you find that and what was the thing that kind of set you over the edge that kind of kept you or stopped you from, you know, the extra film sessions, the extra prehab, the extra whatever. And it was like, you know what? I think I'm going to see what what happens over here. Yeah. Um, I think it was like a long time coming. I've been watching uh, dancers on YouTube and Instagram for a really long time. I have all my favorite choreographers and dancers and I, I know the routines in my brain. Like if you were to turn the song on, I think about the YouTube video that I saw of it. Um, most people watch Netflix. That's how I waste my time. Um, and, um, and I just think it was over the course of the years, you know, you just mature. Like most, most people are my case. Like most athletes I come across and like girls that I coach in high school and the way they, you know, it's the dream. It's that you don't, you're not thinking about, oh, I'm going to go to college and get injured. I'm going to go to college and not play. I'm going to go to college and quit. Like no, no, no one's thinking that. So you come in and you're like hungry and you'll do anything for the spot. Um, and the opportunity, and uh, I think, you know, but that that take that wears on you, and so you start to be like, all right, I have to be efficient if I'm going to last, and, you know, um, some people decide it's not for me, I'm going to stop because I found something else in my life to pursue, and um, I never had anything that was like greater than this story that I was writing for lacrosse, and this connection I was making with my teammates, it would that would be like, this is better than quitting. You know, I'd rather just do whatever I can, even if it means having to sit out because I'm injured and uh, and just, all right, fine, then I'm just going to give all my attitude, all everything. And so uh, it was going to my senior year. My friends knew that I was, like, obsessed with watching these videos because I would, like, talk about them and show it to them. Uh, and so they bought me dance classes to Millennium Dance Complex, which is 30 minutes with, Without traffic in LA, probably like an hour with traffic. 
And it's right there. I was like, you guys, I didn't realize this place is so close. And so for my birthday, they bought my classes and I went and, um, it was really cool to like go by myself and kind of check it out. It was a little scary, but I was like, you know what? Like, I don't know anybody here and I can kind of like be in the back, uh, which I realize is actually the worst place to be in class because you can't see the front. You can't see the choreography. So then you just, you're lost. Um, and I'm like, I'm just going to go with it and I don't really care. And if I mess up, like I'm just going to keep dancing because I like to, and that's what it is. And, um, you know, then further on, so I did it a couple times and it was cool. Uh, and my sister finally came with me. So I had someone to video me and then I, and I shared it and I, it was fun for people because they, for most people knew me as the athlete. They didn't know, like if you're on my team, I, you know, I like to dance in the locker room, but not as like a performer, like this dancer performer. And I hadn't really performed on the lacrosse field either, right? Because I never played really. I mean, I did, but I got in games, but I never like started and put on like, you know, when you're on the field and you're in a game and you have, you know, your fans are there, it's a performance. Putting on a show, yeah. Yeah. And so I like, I don't think people hadn't really seen me do that before. And then now it's in this context of like a dance class and most people associate these dance classes with uh, these like professionals. And it's like, whoa. Like Carly's just like an average, I'm, a, I'm an above average dancer. Uh, and she can go to this class just like anybody uh, and all these other people that we think are really cool. So that was cool. So I started kind of like, like my identity on the team started to change a little bit. Like I'd always like to dance in the locker room and like always try to have a positive attitude, be a good teammate. But I was like, okay, you know, this injury in my hamstring starting to really hurt. I'm probably going to have to get an MRI. And if it says anything, that's going to like really change how my senior year goes. And right before the MRI, I had gotten it before, right before I got the results back, um, our coach in our senior year, um, my coach had, had individual meetings with everybody. And it was the first time she had ever said to me, Carly, you're going to get limited reps at practice because we're going to give them to the starting group. You're going to be on the scout team. Like we really want you for the scout team. And because prior to that, it had always kind of been like, you're right there, you're right there. Like you might get in and you might be the next one. Like if someone gets hurt, it could be me. And so that really drove like a lot of what I was doing. Like I got to do this and extra and this and be prepared and always be ready. But then most of the time I was sideline, not getting in or getting in at the last five minutes of the game when we're down by a bunch and we need someone to sprint after and double team the ball. So when she said that to me, it really just lifted like this huge weight off my shoulders and gave me this like, wow, now I really know what my role is. Like I'm a scout team kid. And now I know that when we're prepping for a game, like my role is to make sure that our best attackers, my good friends are prepared to see what they're going to see. So the team can win the game. Like I knew my role. That's all. That's all it was. And you know, I, I look back and, um, and even like now as a coach, I think about that. Like it would have been, I think I would have played better knowing as a freshman, you're going to be a scout team kid. Okay, cool. That's my role. And I'm going to be the best scout team kid you're ever. And I probably would have played better. I wouldn't have thought about like, Oh, they think I'm messing up. Like, as a scout team kid, if you mess up, whatever. <laughs> You're not a starter. And I wouldn't have worried about, like, oh, I'm messing up. So, like, now they're going to, like, compare me against this girl and they're going to put her in and not me. I wouldn't have worried about all that stuff if I had known that. And so 
with my, with my girls now kind of digressing, but I try to like, just be really, really clear and honest about your role. Like, and knowing like, look, this is your role right now. If you do really well, it might change. We're going to talk later, but let's try this right now. Kind of like nutrition. Hey, these are your goals. Let's try making this one change. If it works, we'll move. If it doesn't work, we'll try something else. And just being like really clear and honest instead of like worrying about my feelings. Um, and so anyways, when I learned that, I was like, okay, this is my role. And so now like on game day, my role is not, I have to be ready, but like, I'm ready. I've been ready for three years to play. Like if they put me in there, I'll just do what I got to do. But I'm going to be in the hype team. And like, I don't have to worry the couple days before the game. Like my, my preparation is actually for, like if we have a game on Friday, Sunday, like I'm physically preparing for Tuesday because that's the hardest practice. And then Wednesday is scout team day one and Thursday scout team day two slash rest day. And then Friday is the next game. So I can physically prepare differently than the girls who are starting because now I know what my, my priorities are, my role is. And like when I have to be the most in and LinkedIn and when I have to be paying the most attention in film sessions, like I don't have to know everything. I really only have to know that I I have to know everything, but I really got to know. And if she asks a question, I better be answering like, what is their best, um, like which defender likes to press out the most, which one likes to go for checks all the time? What kind of defense do they run? Is it a zone? Is it a man? Like, I really got to know those. Everything else I can kind of, kind of sort of know and let other people answer instead of like worrying about knowing everything. And so I just started to like be more, um, efficient and then like that gave me the space to be like let me go explore this dance thing a little bit let me do this and then as as people started noticing that like that was my thing and that was my extracurricular that was like another another part of me a different I wasn't I, I wasn't just an athlete I was multiple things it gave me the space to like have a little bit more of an abstract creative mind and explore something for myself and then kind of bring it back to my team and started like getting girls to all do like a certain dance. Um, what was it? it was like, watch me. It became really popular in college sports at the time. And we would do it and I would lead it and it, it just came, I kind of became like the hype team. And then that translated into like our sideline senior year was being like talked about. We were like, like if we we played in a big game of the NCAA tournament, like the the camera was on the sideline because we we had another girl on our team who like I jumped on her bandwagon. Um, she was amazing, Jackie Hennigan. Shout out to you for like she was she was in ROTC. She was literally the commander of the sideline. So like she would do it. She, she, she made a rule. If someone comes up with a cheer and you don't think it's cool, I don't really care. Just do it anyways, because it's going to look really bad if half the, and our sideline was really long. There was like 21 girls on it. So it's going to look really bad if half the group's doing it and the other half isn't. So like everyone jump on board and she would get out in front and she would like call the cheers. And we ended up having like cheers for all of the girls on the field. So when so-and-so scored, we're getting down on our knees and like bowing because she's, you know, Princess Gab. Shout out to Gab McMahon. So, or, you know, so-and-so. So, and then because of that, then, like, the camaraderie on the team was just amazing. And, like, who would want to leave that? And um, that was, like, that was probably, you know, college. That, that USC lacrosse experience is, like, one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of. And um, if you ask my teammates, they'd probably say the same. And is it still like that today? I don't know. I'm not there. 
but being a part of the first group, like there were so many of us and so many of us didn't play that like it, it was like, okay, whatever, I don't play. Like neither do, neither does half the team, half the team's on the field and the other half the team's on the sideline. So like you can either be negative and mope around and, and complain, which is going to waste more of your energy or you could be positive. And then through that four years, I kind of found the space to be, to be creative and hip hop kind of came out of it. It's still like, um, a hobby of mine now. And interestingly, the one thing I'm not competitive about in my life, which is like a beautiful thing. Um, yoga is actually, is actually probably the other one. Um, but I found kind of found yoga first through lacrosse and then the hip hop kind of was another, it's just like a, I think it's a little bit more expressive, but like, um, I mean, I, you can stop me whatever if you no, have yeah, questions, but no, I just think great. like, like recently I went to a hip hop class and, um, everyone there was under 16. I literally went two days ago. I drove myself down to Freehold. It was an hour. Um, tried to get a couple people to come with me. They wanted to, but couldn't. And um, classic back out. Yeah, no, it, it was for it was for legit reasons, and and we'll, I'll end up going with them. But um, I uh, went to went to this class, and I drove by myself, and I almost didn't go. Like there were five minutes before I had needed to leave because it was an hour away, and I'm like, oh my gosh, did I go? I could stay here and I could watch people dance. I could sit here and attempt to do work on my computer, attempt to study for my RD exam, knowing that every five minutes I'd be checking Instagram and loads of music videos are going to start popping up with people dancing. And I could imagine myself being there or I could leave. I could go down to this class and having no idea what, what it's going to be or if it's going to be worth $55 and, and the gas to get down there. Um, and I just went. I went. I was like, wow, I'm so old compared to these people. Like, And I'm only 24, but... Like they're going to, they're, they're, they're eight and killing it. And they're going to be my age and they're going to be like on stage with the Beyonce of the next 10 years. And, and, um, but, but, but at the same time, it's like, you know, whatever, because these kids are so passionate about it and they know every word and every lyric and they move so well and they know all the choreographers and the choreographers know them. And it's like this whole industry now. And I learned so much about like the business of it. And it's just so fun the way it brings people together. And I knew that if I did have my friends there, um, we all would have been like, wow, we're really old, but it, it would have been fun. And it's just, it's just the shared um, experience of like movement and expression and, and dance. And I, because I'm so far past their point, like all those kids are probably really competitive. Like, uh, they do this thing where at the end of class, the choreographer picks out certain, those are the people you see in the dance videos. The choreographer picks them to make groups. And it's typically someone who's like shown something, um, whether it's like their ability to perform or their ability to really nail the combo or be more creative or have a certain style. And they put them together and, um, you know, it's like the choreo's over and the song's still playing and the kids keep going for the freestyle. And then it's almost a competition, like who, and I'm never in these groups, by the way. I just, I observe. I'm not there yet. Uh, maybe one day. But I was observing and it's like, who can stay longer? Who can keep freestyling longer? And I'm wondering if the motivation for some of these kids is like, because I just, I'm full out right now and I'm just in it and I can't stop. Get, here we go, here we go, I can't stop. Yeah. Or if it's like, no, I got to stay out here so long because 
I want the camera guy to get me because I know that that segment can be put on Instagram later and I need that to then tag the choreographer, the artist, uh, the people I'm dancing with and the place where I'm located. So then like I can increase my following and then like that's going to help me be seen and get my exposure to then like be a kid who's on the VMAs next to like I don't know, like Chris Brown or Bruno Mars, or, right. you know? So it's like for them, maybe for hopefully it's for the love of dance for most, just like for me, sports and lacrosse was for the love of it, but there was always the competitive element and I don't have that anymore. And, um, could, could I make it competitive? Yes, but it's just not. And I think that's like a really cool thing to just go and like have something in your life. That's like, you just do it for you. And then, and I wish maybe lacrosse could have been a little bit more like that. I probably would have, like, performed better. No, it's funny that, you, like, how you're describing that and how you're describing these kids who are trying to get in the videos is exactly how you describe yourself on the, on the right. lacrosse team. Right, right. Like, they almost need an outlet from what turned out to be your outlet. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. It's, it's 100% accurate. I know, when, like, when I was growing up, I always, like, gravitated towards fishing. Because, like, mm-hmm. it wasn't competitive. It was mindless. I didn't really have to, like, think. You, it sounds like you have to think when you're doing this, like, to remember all Eventually, the Eventually, like, not that – that's, like, my goal. That's my only goal for myself is, like, to yeah. be able to do choreography and get it so then I can finally, like, put my own style on it. I don't even know what my style is right now because I'm constantly thinking about, like, what's next, what's next, what's next. and then Or, like, looking at someone else and then, like, not being with me and, like – like trying to like follow somebody else and it just you can't and uh actually one cool thing that uh for any for any dancers out there <laughs> i'll give you my like uh little tip but it was a cool exercise that he had us do and sometimes they have us do this in, in yoga um is to do it with your eyes closed so it was uh julian de guzman is the choreographer i don't even know how old that kid is he's from freehold it's his hometown and uh He's an incredible dancer, and uh, he was he was teaching the class, and finally he's like, you know what? Everyone just close your eyes right now and just do it. Now, I did okay, but I had to pee because I like, forgot the routine, and I had to be like, oh, where, where are we at? But for someone who can nail choreo, like I th- and just like like in yoga, like if you know if you if you know the cues and you know what the person's saying, and you can do it with your eyes closed, it really like you really hear the music. Like you re- like you're eliminating um, what is I think overstimulized, like a sense that is so overstimulated. It's like when they say like when a blind person can have a heightened sense of smell and taste yeah. and hearing. Yeah. Because they lost that sense, and it's it, similar. It like really elevates, and I think it's I think it's because like we I mean I'm constantly on your computer, on your phone, like in like out and about, and you're always so much of I feel like what we take in is through our eyes. And so when he told us to close them, it was like, wow, I can like really hear that beat now. Like even though I maybe I had to peek and look at the choreo, but like at certain parts I could be like, oh, I really got to hit this move on this, you know, snare or this like downbeat or this like how the melody goes like that or this lyric. Like it was, it was really interesting. When you said before that you just said peak, like you had to peak at the choreography. Mm-hmm. But before I thought you said you had to pee. I was like, Oh, <laughs> when you close your eyes, maybe you have to pee. <laughs> no, I maybe out of fear, maybe out of fear that like peak. a 10 year old was going to make me look like so weird. But All right. Gotcha. So as we kind of wrap up the conversation here, uh, you're about probably a little over a year from your life after lacrosse, right? Yeah. So what has that transition been like? You know, you've, 
helping coaching, you instruct yoga, you're studying for your RD test. What has that transition been like without lacrosse and that competitive outlet for you? Um, it's been interesting when I, you know, when I got injured, I feel like, and I started going through that phase of like finding this outlet and finding, finding the identity, like disassociating lacrosse from my identity or just like the division one, like it'll always be a part of me, but it's not who I am. And I think every athlete goes through that process. Right. So that's why I started the podcast. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, um, you know, getting injured, and having to take six weeks off and then finally come back, got to play my senior day game. And then I started going through that detachment, I think, earlier um, than some of my teammates or just maybe athletes in general. I just started going through it early. So when it was over, I was like really ready to be done. And um, mainly from a physical standpoint, like I just wanted to rest. I didn't run for months. Um but that's when I really had to tune into my nutrition stuff. I was also starting grad school for nutrition. So it was like, okay, now I get to be a student. I was excited. Um, I wanted to be a student without being an athlete, but I, I still got to be friends with all my athletes. So I still got to stay within the culture. And, and even like, you know, USC, um, the faculty in, in like our athletic department, let me continue to use the facility because I had put in so much like personal equity with them. Like I always, I, I sucked the life out of that place. I feel like, um, I just lived in there and I, because I had worked so hard, even though I never really got what I wanted because I had like, I had earned a lot of respect from other people because of my work ethic and my commitment and the fact that I was so driven to a place and then that I put kind of the team's goal in front of my own. Um, and so because of that, it was nice. I got to like, I'd gotten the respect from a lot of people to hang around without having to like, they're like, oh, she put in the work. Like she finished. Um, And maybe you never came to a lacrosse game. You would have no idea if I started or not. You just, based on the way I carried myself, it was like, oh yeah, like she's a lacrosse player and it didn't even matter. Um, And so, but I didn't, I really didn't want to know, like I like kept up with the team and I would go to games to support my friends, but it was really, I was in the space of like, I'll put my stick away. I don't really want to touch it. I don't want to look at my cleats. Um, you know, kind of finished up my grad program, came home to start. Uh, it was did an internship in nutrition. It's uh, to become a dietitian. You have to do twelve hundred hours every area of nutrition uh, to save money. I was still in grad school, but I decided to do that internship from home. So I found all my own like internship sites um, here in like the Mars County area, and so like got really just into that, like to finish all that up. And again, didn't look at my lacrosse of at all. And then, um, this past winter, uh, like wasn't even looking to coach, did, you know, traveled to Italy and around Europe, like was doing everything but lacrosse stuff. And this, this past winter, uh, the Marstown head coach, uh, his assistant left and he needed one. And my cousin plays for Marstown. And uh, she's going to be a, our senior captain. And he's like, hey, would you be – could you ask her cousin if she's interested in coaching, if she's around? Like, I just lost somebody. And I would really like to have someone, you know, help me run my defense. And I was like, is it paid? Because <laughs> at the time, I'm doing an internship that I'm paying to do. It's part of my graduate school tuition to do this nutrition internship. And – um 
I'm like, I can't be, I can't really I can volunteer my time. Uh, and I'm not really interested in coaching, to be honest. But like, if it's paid, I would rather be outside in the spring than at the time I was like working at Athleta, which was a, which is a great time and a great experience. But, you know, inside and I'm folding clothes and then I'm going to, and like, and talking to like everyone in the community, which was really great. But I just, I think I would rather spend my time coaching and, and I think it would be a better transition into then like nutrition counseling and training and yoga and that kind of stuff. So, um, and, and maybe it would be a good time for me to like start, you know, reforming a, a new relationship with lacrosse that had kind of exhausted me before. So, um, that was a really interesting transition. I don't think emotionally I was ready for it. I really don't. Um, like I said, I think the emotional component was part of me getting injured. One that I didn't really want to admit to. It's crazy how I feel like the injuries we can't see, a lot of like mental illness, it's like not talked about because we don't understand it because we can't see it. Whereas like an ankle, a broken leg or a sprained ankle, it's like, oh, okay, you got to sit out right. and take time and rest. And like I really needed that year, year and a half to like like rest mentally from lacrosse. Because like I said, I just spent so much time worrying about it. And uh, I don't know if I was emotionally ready and I had two experiences. Um, like I got really, really emotional out of nowhere. And it was, this, it happened twice. And this was right before I started coaching. Um, I had like visited, my head coach has a, has a club facility that's brand new down in, uh, down in New Jersey. And I went, I, I don't even think I've told him this. Um, and we, we I, he's like, hey, you got to come check out this facility. It would be really cool. We want to add a nutrition component to it. And uh, we're thinking about maybe integrating nutrition. And it would just be cool for you to see if you were ever interested working here um, as a coach, as a yoga teacher, as a, as a nutrition person, whatever. And I was like, sure, yeah, I'll come check it out. And I went down. And uh, my parents were away. They were watching my sister play at Elon. And so and, – because I live at home as I've been doing this internship. So – they're my roommates, my buds, and uh, they were away, and so I'm, I'm home alone, and I go do this little adventure by myself, drive down to the beach and back, and on my way back, like, I just started bawling in the car, and I didn't know where it came from, but it felt good. It was like a good cry, and it was almost like I was letting go, like, all of this, like, pent-up emotion from my college experience of, like even though you're not playing, like, still have a good attitude and, like, act like you're a starter and, like, don't let it get to you and be mentally tough and, like, you know, be there for your teammates and, like, you know, all right, play the role that they want you to play, whatever. But then having it also, like, exhaust you because you're, you're like, literally forcing yourself to do that. Naturally, you'd want to just be like, okay, can I just be the starter and start and know that I'm good and it come naturally and, like, not have to work that hard, right? Right. <laughs> Which is the case for some, it seemed like for some people. Maybe not. But... It was kind of like a release. And then and then that happened once again. I, I was in a yoga class. My parents were away, watching my sister play. And I was in this yoga class. And um, shout out to my mentor now, MJ Turnbull, who was teaching the class. And I've never told her this either. But she it was Oscar Sunday. And she uh, she said I um, her theme of the class was like, think about Think about your, what would your Oscar speech be? 
who would you thank? And then like think about people that you would want one day to thank you for things you've done for them. Like it was very reflective and thinking about mentors and stuff. And here I am like, all right, like I just had these like amazing um, cogent mentors at my college team. Like they're the best players in lacrosse and they like have every accolade you can imagine. And they, um, and like here I am now, I'm going to start this, this coaching career. And anyways, at the end of class, you know, and yoga gets you in a very like vulnerable state and makes you like very relaxed. And I, in Shavasana, the ending pose when you're laying on your back, uh, everyone's favorite, I just started bawling again. And uh, I was like, I was like quickly trying to collect myself though, because I wanted to talk to NJ about my current job at a studio called Ride and Reflect. She was helped me in that transition is now my mentor. And I knew at the time that I had to like, I got to click myself and I'm going to have to like, you know, kind of put like network Carly on a little bit, but like, you know, she's a friend and it's fine. But, and there were other women in the class that I knew I was going to have to like talk to. And then I got in the car and just kept crying. And that had been the Sunday after my first lacrosse practice with my team where it was freezing cold and just... (laughs) Like, uh, you know, just you're shivering so much that it just takes so much energy out of you. So it was just that that was like a very real transition for me. And it it was telling me, look, like you're not emotionally ready for this, but like you're going to do it anyways. And it's going to be really, really positive because you have a lot that you're going to be able to give back to this team. Um, And so make it about that. Don't worry about the X's and the O's and the are you doing it right? And are they doing it right? And like what? ever like bring bring the human out of the athlete like bring the girl bring like the 16 year old girl that you were who like wants this dream but you know like how hard it's gonna be and you know what it takes so like teach them those skills and um I think I think I was able to do that uh I was able to teach them a lot about the game and in doing that like started just getting to know them as people and making sure I gave them clear roles and like this is what you're gonna do and then and then you know my head coach being amazing and letting me like kind of do all that and then like take them and I took them to like do yoga one day and like let's do things that where we can turn our minds off and like not think about lacrosse and um and it was really we had a really good working relationship um I think my cousin and I had a really good like coach player relationship because that can be tough because we obviously were really close outside right. of the team, but you don't want to play favoritism or anything. And so, you know, it's just been like back to your original question. Like there's just been so many things that like, you know, most people talk about I graduated or, and then I like got this job and then I did this and it's these stepping stones to what they're going to do in their career. And for me, like I haven't been able to start my nutrition career for a long time. I had to go through a big internship. I have to pass this test, which I've already taken and failed by a point. And so now I have to wait 45 more days to do it. And it just kind of keeps being delayed. But I think that's just life and, you know, whether or not you believe in God saying, you know, for me, Carly, like this, you know, things are going to happen for a reason. They're going to fall into place. And I feel so lucky that I have parents who are like, please, you can live at home and you can figure it out and it's all going to come together. And we know you're going to like do everything you can do to make the next step, but let it, life just kind of run its course instead of trying to control everything, which is where it all kind of had started for me. So it's really crazy how things have, have come full circle and, um, yeah, I just think it's it's a natural maturing process that most people go through when they go through college, you know? Just listening to your story, 
a lot of the there's common themes like throughout it and yeah. a lot of it it's not just you it's a lot of athletes do the same thing and mm-hmm. you say like you're trying to control kind of like your path or like the blueprint that you set out for yourself is mm-hmm. like if, if you stray away from the blueprint it's like you you failed or something exactly and it sounds like to me like when you're the happiest is when you're just being yourself and you're not caring what the external people think right and it's it's great that you're kind of teaching younger athletes to learn how to do the same thing and be okay with it yeah you know by taking the yoga class or taking the dance class like that's not going that's not working against your goal of achieving becoming a college athlete that's just that's only enhancing it and just becoming a better version of yourself and like being comfortable enough with yourself to, uh, you know, to do that and not fear any repercussions. Like to me, that's what toughness is. And that's like what you've learned is you've learned it the hard way, you know, a, a mm-hmm. few times, yeah. but I love that you're doing, you're, you're trying to prevent that from other athletes doing the same thing. Yeah. And the other thing that I've noticed is just like your passion for everything. It's awesome. Like your passion for, you know, lacrosse and wanting to be the best that you could possibly be almost to a fault. Right. And with nutrition, like just hearing you talk about it, like I could hear it in your voice, like how much you care and how much about everything. And no matter like you take yourself everywhere you go and like with that personality and that mentality, like you're going to be successful, like no matter what you're doing. So I really appreciate you sharing your story and the lessons that you're teaching young athletes and being vulnerable to share stuff that's hard. I could sense that you were getting a little emotional just like talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, But that's cool. That's like what this podcast is all all about. And, and you've been putting out some great uh, Instagram stories that are Mm -hmm. super informational and very interactive and they're really great. So where can people find you online and kind of follow your, your journey? Yeah. So that's been part of the transition. Um, I'm on Instagram as CJ train, Carly Jane train, <laughs> like training, not like choo choo, but like ma- maybe that we can tie that in. Like get on, get on the CJ train, you know? <laughs> um, so anyway, CJ dot train. And it's, there's a couple things going on there. Um, I post my yoga schedule. I, I teach at ride and reflect in Morristown and, um, mainly, but also Bernardsville. It's a beautiful studio that offers high intensity interval training in one studio, spin in another studio, yoga in another studio, and then they have H2 juicery right inside to make you your post-workout smoothie and have like mini granola bars that have like some quality, simple carbohydrate you can have prior to your workout. So if you're not able to get those nutrients in, it's all there for you. They do a great job. Sounds like Carly all in one uh, one business. It's honestly (laughs) like I want to own one of these. But right now I'm just – they're incredible staff, amazing community. They have – they they just have it all. And uh, it's awesome. So I'm teaching yoga there. So I post my my schedule on my Instagram. And then uh, because I've been studying for my RD exam, I've been sharing some of the questions almost in an effort to help me study. And kind of get a survey of what people know and what they don't know as I head into like 
how if I ever did a lecture or something like what what is it average people who who follow me know uh, it's been really fun and uh, I gotta say I've uh, I hit them so I do my Instagram polls uh, usually ask a question and then I do a couple like explanations as to you know like the topic I kind of make it a little bigger get some good visuals um, and uh, I every time I post a question I get about 30 to, for, for 350 followers, I get about 30 to 40 responses, a question. Last week I got 60, which was amazing. And um, I think like 160 people liked it, looked at it and 60 people responded. And um, without fail, every single time I post a question, somebody messages me, a different person, pissed that they got it wrong explaining that they mistapped the question, um, asking me to add information because I might have missed something, um, or, or my brother telling me that I had a typo. <laughs> so, or, or just like really excited that they like enjoy the content. Um, and it's been good. I, I was, uh, I was always kind of like, against the whole Instagram thing because I, I feel like it takes up so much of your time. It takes me about like an hour to make one of those. and uh, But I've had some friends kind of give me really good feedback and tips and tricks to kind of like create really good content for people, but then also like figure out how to put it away. And it's it's also not my personal account. Like I have a separate personal one, so which I, I don't even use anymore because I'm on this one so much, trying to like make it what I want it. Right. Um, it's kind of like if I put a picture out of myself – it's not me being like, I'm not, I'm not, it, it's, it's like business. It's still me, but it's like business Carly. It's not, it's not like, Hey, look at me and like, look how good my life is, you know? And like, you should want my life right now. And I'm only going to post the good things, you know? Like, well, what, to be honest, like I'm the same way. I don't post on my personal account anymore. I only post heads and tails for that same reason. Like, right. I think Instagram's stupid when it's like, exactly like, Hey, look at me. Like, look at how awesome my freaking life was when on the inside, they're probably like, I hate myself. Yeah. Or, or like, let me just yeah. post like half naked pictures of myself. So I get 500 likes yeah. and that's going to make my instant gratification. So, and it, it just wastes a lot. It's, I, I've, I've started to see Instagram as like, it really is a business tool. Um, for anyone so it's like if you're not on it like you're you're probably your business is probably gonna fail (laughs) so once I've kind of come to accept that I've like started to really engage with like all the tools and it's been like a really like positive thing for me so um sometimes I throw up uh you throw up no (laughs) what you ate or you're really (laughs) I'm really literal peeing throwing up (laughs) um sometimes I put on I put on uh like stuff, like stuff that I eat. I try to keep it minimal though. Cause like there's so many food Instagrams out there. Like what I'm eating is not that different than other people, but, and I'm trying to just keep, really just try to keep it real on there. Keep it real. I think that's like the theme. Yeah. Just keeping it real. That's what makes you happy. It's what yeah. keeps other people happy. So Carly, I'll link all that up in the, awesome. the show thank notes you. of this episode, along with all the other stuff we talked about. Yeah. Um, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's been really fun.